Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their saviour. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is he, this king of glory? The Lord Almighty, he is the King of glory. This is God's word. Great, if you haven't met before, my name's Simon. Uh, I'm on staff here at church. It'd be great help, actually, if you could keep Psalm 24 open on page 555. But before we begin, let's pray. Uh, Father in heaven, we pray that this morning you would uh, show us yourself. Uh, You would show us yourself clearly. Uh, Please give us eyes to see how holy you are, how pure you are. And please, Father, amaze us with who you are today. Amen. Well, it's been a bad few weeks to be an English football fan. But as we begin, I want to cast our minds back to the glorious summer of 1966, when England won the World Cup. Yes, that's right. Once upon a time, England were the best team in the world ever. So Bobby Moore, he was like the iconic captain of the England rugby team. He was like the, the David Beckham figure of the team. Uh, I'm sure you know, we've seen the, the clip of Jeff Hurst beating Germany in the final, 4-2. You know, that winning goal, the crowd on the pitch, they think it's all over. It is now. Uh, and then the, the crowd run on and they're you know, shaking hands with Bobby Moore. They're celebrating. And then that moment when Bobby Moore, the captain, leads the England team, walks up the steps at Wembley towards the Royal Box. It's lined with velvet. And Her Majesty the Queen is there in all her splendour. He shakes her hand and he lifts the World Cup. At that point, we should have stopped the game of football forever. That was it. But a few uh, years before he died, Bobby Moore was asked in an interview, what did it feel like to walk up those steps and collect the World Cup from the Queen? It must have been a wonderful experience. But he replied, no, it was terrifying. I was going up the steps to the balcony and I saw the Queen was wearing beautiful white gloves. I looked down at my hands and for the first time that day realised they were filthy. They were covered in Wembley mud. And I thought, how can I go and shake hands with the Queen like this? And so actually if you play back the footage on on YouTube or something, you can see Bobby Moore is walking up those steps towards the Queen. He's kind of, he's going like this, just trying trying to clean his hands. He's desperately trying to get them clean. He's thinking, how can I stand there with the queen? My hands are filthy. It was in the presence of purity. How can I stand there? That's the question of Psalm 24, actually. If you have a look down with me, please, at verse 3. Verse 3. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? A holy God, 
pure God? Who can stand in his presence? It's a question of Psalm 24. It's the question of our times battling guilt. It's a question I ask after I know I've, I've sinned, I've done something stupid, I've done it deliberately. How can I call myself a Christian now? The question I ask when I suddenly realize, man, I've been in this pattern of doing this thing for ages. I've, I've been in this pattern of sin for ages. And I didn't even realize. How can I call God Father after all this? It's the question I ask when I have flashbacks to that thing I did all those years ago. I can't get it out of my mind. Oh, how could God accept me? So times when that huge distance between God's holiness, his purity, and me, when I just suddenly see that with crystal clarity. A holy God who can stand in his presence. It's actually... A good question to ask. It's a really good question to ask as a Christian, a healthy question. But a healthy question, if you know the answer, you've got to know the answer. And actually, it's the question I should ask, even when I kind of feel like everything's all right in my life, everything's fine. We should ask it because of God's holiness and seeing how pure and holy he is. I guess we know the answer is going to be, uh, how can we stand? We can stand because of Jesus. But at first glance, Psalm 24 doesn't really sound like someone like me, this person who has clean hands and a pure heart, kind of this person matches God's purity. It doesn't sound like me. But actually the answer of this psalm is that because of the King of glory enters in through the city victorious, this Lord who's strong and mighty in battle, you can. You can stand in his presence. So Psalm 24, it's a, I mean, the tone of it's really kind of majestic. It's a song of celebration, so it's really joyful. But at the same time, it's kind of deeply filled with awe. There's a real awe about this because of God's holiness. That's really the theme. So that's the question, who can stand in God's holy place? Have a look down me, please, at verse 1. Uh, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? So first off, he's the creator of the world. Verse 2, he, he founded on the seas, established it on the waters. It's a poetic way, a Hebrew way of saying he made it. Think of Genesis 1, God makes the dry land out of the chaos on the water. A Hebrew way of understanding the creation. So he's the creator of the world. And so he's the owner of the world in verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world, and all who live in it. He made it, so it belongs to him. Um, so my brother-in-law is thinking of building his own house from scratch. Sounds a bit stressful. Um, but if he does do it, if he does do it, the house is his. He owns it. Every brick, every room, it's his. He made it. He owns it. It means there's no country in this world where the Lord is a foreigner. No people, no nation, no city who don't belong to him because he made them. So he's the creator and he's the owner of the whole universe. But I guess as, as Christians, we can just be so familiar with that. Uh, it's just such a basic part of our faith. Something you know, we'll, we'll teach our children from such a young age. We just need to pause on that and just think, 
wow. It's like David's just kind of zooming the camera lens out, you know, right out of London, you know, past the International Space Station, past the Hubble telescope. All of it. He owns all of it. Six billion people. He, he, he owns all of them. They all belong to him. And so a God like that, his presence, well, who can go towards it? So verse 3, who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? That's language of kind of going towards it. So the mountain of the Lord, think uh, Exodus 19, when uh, Moses goes up to Sinai, um, meets the Lord. They had to barrier off the whole mountain, the rest of the people. You couldn't go near it. This place was holy ground. There was limits around it. So the question is, who can go towards the Lord? Who can go near him? Uh, I uh, cycle around London, that's how I get by. And from time to time, particularly around here, you're cycling along, and then a couple of police motorbikes kind of zoom past you, and they blow their whistles, they stop all the traffic, and you kind of wait there with the traffic, and then you know, Prince Andrew or whoever, you know, in their Jaguar kind of zooms past, and then you can just carry on with the traffic. Well, a few months ago, this happened to me. Um, but there were more motorbikes than normal, quite a lot more, um, you know, stopping all the traffic very suddenly. But... Um, being a cyclist, I thought, you know, I can just cycle to the front of the queue. Um, you know, it's kind of my prerogative. I, normally, it's absolutely fine, that kind of thing. So I can't start, you know, cycling along to the front of the queue, bumbling along, minding my own business. And then this police motorbike revs towards me, sirens going, screeches towards me, blocks me off, and the guy shouts, stop! I nearly had a heart attack. And then a convoy of big black cars goes zooming past me, and at the centre was the beast, you know, the president of the America's car, you know, that massive bulletproof car. So it was, it was Barack Obama on his visit to London. But the most powerful man in the world, I couldn't go anywhere near him. And that's the kind of question here. The creator of the world, the owner of everything in it, the Lord, who can approach someone like that? But more than that, actually, who can stay in his presence? Verse 3, who may stand in his holy place? Stand, that's language of kind of permanence, staying there. You know, it's like a, a log fire at Christmas, you know, a lovely, hot, blazing fire. You get close to it, like really, really close, and you can just feel the intense heat. It's like, who can stay there? That's how pure the Lord is, a blazing, hot purity. Who can, who can stand in a holy purity like that? So David, he's building the question, uh, building the tension by asking the question twice. It's who can do this? Who can do this? But to be honest, it's not a question I ask that often. Uh, I often, I really don't feel like it's like this on a usual day-to-day basis. I think it's quite easy as Christians to have a, perhaps an overly familiar uh, attitude to God's holiness. Kind of, we can be so used to told that we're forgiven by grace, that perhaps we forget the lengths and cost it took to make that happen. So I play around with sin. I kind of let myself go as far as I can, right up until where I think the limit is, before I feel it's got too serious. I guess it doesn't matter what the sin is particularly, but it's because I've forgotten God's purity. It's like I've been looking at him through a little keyhole. But we need to remember who God is, how holy he is, and and see him afresh with this Psalm 24 kind of panoramic, this is a wide lens view of God. 
creator and owner of the universe, a holy and pure God. And then actually I see quite clearly the gap between me and him. Sure, my, my moral performance might be better than some people on earth, but the gap is, is still the distance from the, the earth to the sun. Who can stand in his presence? But other times, I think I really do feel like this. I kind of oscillate between the two. I do see how holy he is. Perhaps after deliberate sin, or a time I've, I've woken up just seeing this pattern of sin going on in my life, going on for ages, or I see hypocrisy in my life. Um, I've really enjoyed our last kind of, a few weeks, a few, I guess months really, looking at 1 Corinthians 13 here in the morning service. Um, you know, that beautiful passage about what love looks like. Um, the title of our series was Loving Like Jesus. Um, and lo- really, last Sunday afternoon, I was thinking about, about my own heart, uh, my own lack of love for some people, how I've behaved. And it's really convicting. Loving like Jesus doesn't always feel like it. Jesus was so loving. God is so holy. Who can stand in his presence? But it's a, it's a good question to ask as we see God's holiness. But we've got to ask the question knowing the answer. Otherwise, we just get kind of swamped in guilt and we're just floundering around with no assurance. And actually, Satan wants us to ask this question without an answer. So we do want to ask, who can stand and what's the answer? Well, the qualification is a holy people. Who can stand with a holy God? That's our second point, a holy people. So have a look at me, please, at verse 4. This is really the criteria of who can stand. The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. So there's a need for holiness to stand with God, a holy people. So a holy God can stand with holy people. And yet for David writing this, he knows he's a sinner. He knows this is a blessing he can receive. So verse 5, they will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their saviour. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. It's confident language of receiving See, they're confident about vindication. We could translate that as righteousness. Language of a saviour for those who seek his face. That's not people who turn their back from God in disbelief, but turn to him in faith. So who can stand? Well, a holy people. And so holiness, David knows he doesn't have it kind of by his own nature. And yet in Psalm 24, it's a holiness that he's confident he has. He has received as he seeks God's face. So we've got to remember, David's an Old Testament believer. He's living before Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension. So for David, his relationship with God is founded on obedience. When he sinned, he would confess and offer sacrifices. And then he knew he was forgiven, cleansed, purified. He knew he'd received then this blessing, this vindication from the Lord. So how David saw it, it was real, it was effective, but it wasn't perfect so I guess for David he would have still had that kind of nagging thought in the back of his mind yeah I, I can go up to the mountain of the Lord I can, I can go into the temple and worship I can, I can worship in front of the ark but I can't touch the holy of holies I can't go really close to God so something about this it's, it's not quite final for David and so for us today, as New Testament believers, it's not, it's not exactly the same, but more a, how much more is this true for a Christian? How much more is this true? Why? Well, actually, because 
of this victorious king of glory. In verse 7 to 10, this victorious king of glory, Jesus Christ. So David writes about his longings to enter. Well, they're met by this king. He goes in with this king. So have a look, please, at verse 7. And the kind of picture shifts a bit. Verse 7. Uh, Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is he, this king of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the king of glory. So the picture in the psalm uh, kind of changes like a, a royal procession. Think like uh, Queen's Jubilee or the royal wedding down on the Mall. But it's a king coming back from having won a war. Coming back into a city, back into Jerusalem. And he's proven as mighty in battle. He's strong and mighty. That's what characterizes him. This is a, a victory celebration with the king at the center. So the procession comes to the walls and it's kind of like a, a Q&A back and forth with the watchman at the top. Um, so... Uh, They asked, lift up your heads, you gates, because a city opened up from the inside like a drawbridge, so it looked like heads being lifted up. That's the language there. Um, And the the word from the top is, who is this king of glory? Verse 8, verse 10, who is he? And this description is the Lord, strong and mighty in battle. The real kind of sense of triumph in this king who's come back into Jerusalem. Victory won. So David's longings to enter into God's presence met by this king of glory. And this points us forwards to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is fulfilled in Christ. Now, if you read the commentaries, there'll be various different options they'll suggest, but they all kind of amount to the same thing, really. And traditionally, this is a psalm that's always been read on Ascension Day in the Church of England, so 40 days after Easter Day, when Jesus ascended up to the Father. And I think I'm persuaded by this. So um, Jesus, on earth, 40 days after his resurrection, ascended visibly up to the Father in heaven, heavenly Zion, heavenly Jerusalem, and he sat down at the Father's right hand to intercede for Christians. So just pause and think of Christ, this victorious king. At the cross, he fought the battle against sin I couldn't win. He took on my uncleanness. At his resurrection, back to life, a victory was won. That, that curtain in the temple, it was torn in two. He was shown to be strong and mighty. Battle was won. And his ascension up to the Father, he sat down, because his work is finished. He's sitting down, interceding for Christians, speaking for us to the Father. That's a great high priest. So this king of glory, mighty in battle, has come into heavenly Jerusalem, into Zion. So who can stand in God's holy place? Well, a holy people. Made holy by this victorious king of glory, Jesus Christ. They enter into the city with him. So Christian believers have received these clean hands and pure hearts in Christ. And so yesterday morning, I came here to the men's breakfast. And we had a great time, men's breakfast in the morning. And then in the afternoon and the evening, I went straight off to a friend's wedding. I was an usher. That was a great honor. And I, so I came on my bike into the men's breakfast in the morning. And so I was wearing my cycling gear, you know, and trainers, shorts, kind of football shirts, uh, which after a kind of week of hot summer cycling doesn't always smell its best by Saturday. Um, but uh, went to men's breakfast and then had a delicious breakfast, compliments to the chef, but afterwards also slightly smelt of baked beans and bacon. Um, so not, not, a, not a great atmosphere. And I went on straight to join the groom before the wedding, straight from there. 
It was quite a wedding. A real, you know, dashing groom in his full tailcoat, waistcoat, herringbone trousers. It was real, you know, Prince William, eat your heart out stuff. Um, it was a, a beautiful bride, a gorgeous white dress. Uh, all the, the families, uh, the, the, the ushers, the bridesmaids, everyone looked the part. There is no way I could have stood there at the front of church wearing my cycling kit. There is no way I could have stood there in the, in the photos afterwards wearing my cycling kit. I think quite rightly certain family members would have had a word to say. There's no way. No, actually, what happened? I went straight from here, went to see the, the groom. I got to the groom's place, and he gave me tails to wear. Uh, clean from the shop. He'd rented them for me. They were clean. He'd, he'd paid for them for me. He gave them to me. And so I could stand there because of what I'd received. And the Christian believer is given clean hands so we can stand in God's holy place. And verse 5, they receive blessing and vindication from God their Savior. So I say, if you're not yet a, a Christian believer, actually there's a sense we're a bit like Bobby Moore felt as he approached the queen, actually unclean in the presence of purity. But if you will trust Jesus as your saviour, this will be given to you. No matter what you've done in the past, how guilty you might feel, you can stand there before God and call him your father if you seek his face, if you believe in him. I guess for, for those of us who are Christians, I guess Sometimes I do, I stumble, I sin, and I think, I can't come to God now, not now. I need to kind of sleep on it and wake up the next morning, and then, I don't know, things are fresh. I don't feel so spiritually dirty. I have a fresh start. Times when I replay that thing over and over and over again in my mind. And those times, remember where Christ is now. He's ascended up to the Father. He has sat down. His work of dealing with sin is finished. In those times, remember what you've been given clean hands and a pure heart actually as a Christian I don't stand there in front of God waiting for the kind of finger of accusation to come or the closed door of rejection no I stand there next to the bridegroom in clean clothes that he's bought for me and he's given to me I have confidence because of the king of glory So Bobby Moore, he was terrified to approach the queen with his filthy hands. How much so? The, the creator, the owner of the whole world? The holy God? Wow. I'm in awe of him. Who can stand in his presence? Who can go up to him? Well, because of Jesus, I can. His life, his death, his resurrection and ascension. He's the mighty king of glory. He is strong in battle. We can stand in God's presence presence confidently because of what we've been given in Christ let's pray Father we are amazed afresh this morning at your holiness, your purity Father it's amazing that we can stand in your holy place because of Jesus, thank you so much for those clean hands that he's given us. We can stand there next to the bridegroom, clothed in what he's given us. 
Thank you. Please give us that confidence. Please help us to see afresh that sense of awe of who you are. Thank you so much. Amen.